The Life Series. Powered by Amicus. With your host, Heather Story. Hello and welcome back to the live series podcast brought to you by Amicus Recruitment. This is the podcast that gives you the insight into the life and role of tech leaders from all over the world. And today I'm joined by Christian Bell, Head of Engineering and Product over at Journeyman. Hiya, Christian. Welcome on the show. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah, it's all good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Uh, feeling, Feeling pretty excited for this one. I know we've had a couple of chats before, so... Um, yeah, pretty pretty eager to get to get straight into it. So, um, so for people that might not have heard of Journeyman or know familiar uh, sort of things about your work or anything like that, do you want to just maybe kick us off by sort of describing your role at Journeyman and, and giving a bit of insight into what it is Journeyman do as well? I will definitely do that with pleasure. So basically, Journeyman started as um, an Erasmus for uh, blue collar workers. So basically, um, uh, offering apprenticeships abroad for blue collar workers being um, electricians or woodworkers and so on. Um, It became profitable in 2019, but then when Corona came 2020, um, they realized that uh, there needs to be something done, change the business model. So then um, a little year, a little over than a year ago, I actually joined Journeyman after this pivot, after this business model pivot, when the focus from international moved to the local as a deep recruitment platform with a super local focus. Um, so my main focus here um, will be to actually understand the customer and find uh, the best market opportunity or how we can use the market opportunity here using the knowledge and using the customer base and all the connections that journeyman already had and then basically rebuild all the all the products all the company's products um, starting from b2c to b2b2c products um, since the, since everybody else was in engineering and and um, product before they left the company with the pivot one of the founders also left I actually, one of my first tasks was to start recruiting, finding people for these two small teams, fully cross, cross-functional teams, meaning developers, meaning um, UX, UI, meaning product owner, as much as we can, um, and then already start uh, rebuilding or, or building amazing products to, to help journeymen succeed. That's absolutely, that's really cool. Um, and I like that you've, you've, we'll come back to how, um, how COVID kind of affected um, the way that Journeyman's been operating recently. Um, but, but first, I'd just quite like to touch on, um, I know you said you've got, you're kind of running some cross-functional teams of those teams all remote. Um, and I know when we spoke before, I know you said that it's kind of a remote first kind of approach when you, when you, when you sort of create in those teams. And you just want to talk me through a little bit sort of how, how you did approach that kind of remote first um, and, and a little bit about kind of your onboarding sort of uh, process and how you, how you went about that. Yeah, so I mean, I worked before I worked, I have been working with remote teams and, and you know, um, colleagues um, in different time zones for 40 years already. I don't remember when I actually first started working, but it was like, you always you always get um, in different places, especially in IT, you have, um, you you kind of need freelancers and then somehow, you know, some, some kind of um, agency somewhere in a different country. So this was not the, this was not new in this way. But it was actually new that this time we we didn't actually look to to get and start working with agencies, but we actually looked to to build a team 
which is 100% part of journeyman and actually understands the product, feels the product, understands our colleagues, understands the business as well, and feels part of the company. So there's a bit of a challenging, um, because I mean, if you, if you just look around and you find some agency in some other country, and then you have a contract with them, that is easy to actually find people who kind of fit into the, into the company culture, to fit in the company, understand the product, understand the, the vision, and want to take this journey with you, that is actually a bit more complicated. Um, so how we approach this, um, funny enough, I actually uh, reached to my network. I started asking around, speaking with people, again, word of mouth, uh, surprisingly a bit, but then asking what do they know about um, different if other freelancers or different uh, locations in the world um, or whatever their experience was. And after I got this bit of information, I actually went uh, online and I researched a bit more. I said, okay, where are like good tech hubs? So then we found some, some cool cities. And then once we actually defined the locations, we used some um, online recruitment platforms to actually advertise our job post there. So basically um, create a different job post for different roles and then use some, some kind of a budget through different platforms say, hey, I want this job post to be posted in, I don't know, these five cities or 20 cities in different countries. Um, yeah, so there was, there was let's say that the way we did it, one thing that I must say here is that I have done recruitment before. I think the first time I done recruitment, I was, I was uh, way younger, um, but it was mostly local recruitment. It was mostly uh, we had the HR department who kind of did this posting somewhere on the internet or working with the with different um, universities and whatnot. And I must say that um, you know I think in the, the last company, the previous company, we were looked for a good full stack developer for about three months. And, and I met and I spoke with lots of amazing people, but most of them, or if not actually 90, 70 percent of them, they were from Berlin and, and based in Berlin or somewhere around Berlin. And um, in this case, a journeyman, I must say that the energy of the people that I met was different, was, was really something else. I mean, I, you meet people from all over the world, obviously, where you have your um, post done. In, uh, it was actually Laos, Lagos in, um, in Nigeria, um, somewhere in Ukraine and so on and so forth. And my feeling is that um, experience level, it, it depends and it varies obviously, but people seem to be actually um, having a cooler energy and actually really wanting to join something was, was, yeah, it was different. I don't know if maybe it was just the happening or it was just uh, the fact that we were looking remotely for people. So do you think um, if you're talking about people kind of looking for something to, to kind of join and, and be more invested in do you mean kind of they want to be invested in it on a personal level like what would you is would you say that um kind of in that case it, sorry if that is the case is that a pitfall of of kind of onboarding remotely that you know do you do you kind of feel like you need to change the way that the company appeals to people if they're looking for, for different things within a company um if it's changed over the years do you want to is that do you, do you know what i mean is that is that kind of something that you find or okay so i mean um a couple of things here i would say right now i'm, I'm still reading and, and hearing the lots of companies say come back to the office come back to the office let's make the office sexy again mm -hmm. um there are even studies saying that um actually the the carbon impact and and um how let's say pollution free the working in the offices or working at home is is actually not as great because of some other factors and so on um you know that might be true and that, that's kind of a different topic and, and probably very lengthy at, at that 
But from my experience to actually build amazing products, build good products, you need a diverse team. You need a um, good diverse team, but also who works well together. So that is, yeah, that is a bit of a pitfall because um, if, you, if you think about getting remote first and then you can try to get multiple people from the same place, you know, maybe they speak the same language, but then it won't really happen. It, it will be very unlikely that you find uh, all the developers that you need, uh, UX, UI, and also the product owner in the same country or in the same city. Um, and then you have all this bunch of people who are amazing people, have good energy, they, they want to build something amazing, and they have very different perspective. And that's something that actually helped us build amazing products, because we sat together and we said, okay, how can we implement this feature? And then somebody said, you know, I saw this one there, and somebody else said, what about that? And if you would have kind of a team is very, very let's uniform, would not have this kind of discussion, this kind of um, challenging. But anyways, um, but you still have this team. And uh, let's say the, the main language is, is uh, English. And then at some point there is understanding. So you have a bit of a language barrier. Then you have um, a bit of the maybe time difference. Then you also have people working in co-working spaces, people working from home, or even people working from, I don't know, like a cafe. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of have a different, um, yeah, different, different environments. And, and it's not that easy to, to kind of work so close together. So basically from, let's say the whole, the whole experience here. Um, we started with local onboarding. We said one week in Berlin to actually do onboarding, um, which is actually easy. The, the first hire was super easy because she actually also comes from Germany, um, Mannheim. It was easy, even with Corona rules, we actually had to write a letter <laughs> that she's allowed to travel to Berlin for, for um, job reasons and whatnot, which was okay. Um, but then the second hire was actually from outside the EU. And then we looked into that. We actually need to write a letter just for this developer to be able to come to the EU. And then with the whole Corona, I was like super impossible. So we said, okay, let's do it. Let's do it online. We already have the, the first person. It was a UX UI designer on board. It was me. Um, we had Sam, the founder of, of Journeyman. And so like, let's, let's kind of do this online. And we use Miro. We, we use, I think, almost all the tools that are up there to, to work remotely, um, Slack and, and so on. Mm -hmm. and, and we started doing the onboarding. And I think after, so the, the first week, obviously it's maybe a bit too much information. And we started kind of working and there were too many things that were not working. There were too many calls, too many times that I had to say, okay, wait, let's take a step back. Let's try to go and let's try to, to, to figure out what, what's happening here. You didn't really understand or I didn't really understand or, or something. And then after two weeks, we basically said no, we need to we need to bring this person to Berlin and we need to do an onboarding in person and and it was definitely it was definitely worth it because it was also with quarantine it was a bit complicated but then we actually got to the office all of us and then we went and we stayed I think like two and a half days in you know in a meeting room over over a whiteboard we all called together then then also this person met our colleagues from operations met our colleagues from sales who actually have some pain points that they kind of need to be solved and. At the end of the of this kind of very long week, um, the the developer were left uh, left back home for um, to Albania, mm -hmm. and then after that it was actually was was definitely a better way of working. Like whenever we said something or I said something or something, we kind of spoke the same language. Mm -hmm. It is a bit um, a bit yeah a bit unexpected I would say, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I like that approach that you're bringing people in and. I mean, you just touched there on some impact of COVID. Let's 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 sort of circle back around to that now. Then, in that case, because if, if you know, it, it's interesting to see how it's affected your onboarding process. How did it affect 
um, the way the company was functioning. I know you said you, you, you've come in sort of just sort of, I suppose if it's been just over a year, you've kind of landed just sort of halfway through um, the chaos of it, I suppose. So yeah, how, yeah. how was that? How, how did you find the sort of impact of COVID on the, 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 whole, the overall function of the organisation then? So, I mean, um, obviously everything that means in-person events is very complicated. It was, was very complicated. I, for the moment, I think it's getting a bit uh, lower key. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. So um, we, we have this rule adjournment that we do every quarter, every three months, we do a, a, like an in-person meeting. Um, sometimes it is just a week to actually work together and all of us work together. We have some workshops. And for example, last summer, it was actually going somewhere outside Berlin in Brandenburg, um, running a house with a pool and everything. So actually doing a couple of sessions, but mostly team building and team bonding. Mm -hmm. And all these events, and they don't actually have to be like every three months, it doesn't have to be all the whole journeyman because journeyman, you know, at some point starts to have a bit too many people. It can also be just the product and engineering teams. But no matter how you try to do it and how you, how you plan it, um, it becomes super complicated. Uh, so I think the, let's say the, you know, the most complex situation we had, we had some colleagues, they actually came to Berlin five and, and seven days before the actually start date of the event and they quarantined in some accommodation and they work from there remotely. So then we can actually meet in person and do everything, um, you know, okay. I mean, yeah, it is, it is a bit, cumbersome and it was I think it's really really well and really great that our colleagues were, were up with this but um, it is it is complicated and everything else um, obviously that everybody knows you know the everybody needed like a PCR test and everything it was just made everything super complex but uh, like I said um, I think we made it work um, and I think that's also the people need to be a bit flexible about it and also the companies need to be flexible and to understand everybody's uh, perspective on this we also had a case I think um, when we had uh, the on-site in 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 uh, October I think was uh, yeah last year it was that the cases were actually going a bit high and some of the colleagues they said they are not feeling comfortable to actually attend and have the, the week the week in the office all of us too many people and so on and so forth so then is actually when we said okay let's split it up let's do product and engineering together and then a couple of virtual sessions with the other teams then sales and then operations and so on so i mean um there, there needs to be lots of flexibility i think from from both sides from from the company side and also from the um from the employer side or the, the yeah the people side yeah yeah, I think I think flexibility is is it's something that comes around and it, you hear it over and over again. It, it is key, isn't it? At the end of the day, with with unprecedented things like that. So in terms of um, being flexible with 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 kind of your team and um, I know when we chatted before, you, you kind of referenced um, your team's sort of internal customers. So um, and I found that really interesting because I've not really heard anybody sort of sort of use that phrase before, really, to be honest. Um, so I, I kind of want to touch on that, actually. So it how do you want to just talk me through kind of what where that approach has come from how do you keep your internal customers happy you know how do you kind of organize that balance and yeah just talk me through that a little bit yeah i mean um i guess this is is not the case for all, all the companies and all the um you know people having software building software product engineering teams but I think it is the case for at least half of them that you actually have a product who is also um, internal for our colleagues, um, operations, sales, marketing, and so on. That actually can can do something with um, with a whole you know product or with a whole um, pool that we have for people. And so 
we actually what happened we we built this internal tool and then at some point we decided to actually um open it up for our partners for our companies and then um there was actually quite an interesting moment when all of a sudden we have this piece of software which is working and for our colleagues and and you know yeah colleagues that everybody is happy with it obviously they all want to have different um different new features and so on but they are with more separate with it and then you open this to the customers and the customers are actually either getting more engagement there or actually paying money to use it every month and then you are really at a crossroads because you have at the end of the day limited resources and you need to somehow prioritize between what um, you know what your colleagues want and what the what the companies the paying customers of the product want and they become a bit two different products, even if it's the same the same software at the end of the day. Um, how do you keep uh, customers happy? It doesn't matter if internal or external. You obviously implement all the features that they want as fast as possible. Impossible, obviously. Um, so so then um, what I did and what we did, we, we tried to, to actually have, we always have this, um, this feedback rounds with the customers and looking at the market um, regular every two, three months to see what's happening, to see how we can adjust the product, how we can add new features to it. So we actually did the same thing internally as well. Um, we have like this user voice, we have like a, a meeting and like a demo day every month. And then the, one of the UX UI designers would come and say, hey, uh, our users, they, they are happy about this product and so on and so forth. So we already had this user voice for like real users that actually use the product or they pay the money for the product. And mm -hmm. we kind of did the same user voice but silently internal. So then um, my colleagues, the UX UI designers, they actually would sit down with our colleagues on a regular basis. They would talk either on a coffee or coffee or a virtual coffee or, or um, whatever. And they would actually try to get, try to see, are they happy with the product? How, how happy are they with the product? What is the biggest pain point? And are there any features that they want? So basically, yeah, creating a user voice for internal users Obviously not showing it uh, in our demo days, but actually taking into consideration when we actually build the roadmap and we try to see, okay, which feature comes first and which features are we really going to implement or not. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it makes sense, I guess. Yeah, no, it does. And it's a really interesting concept. Um, I think, it, I mean, it's, it's, you kind of have a, a, a fairly similar sort of way of working with recruitment. Obviously we, we, you know, we've got a, a talent acquisition manager who recruits for us and, you know, she needs to sell the company. And, it, and you know, it is kind of selling that internal sort of um, mindset and, and making sure that internally everybody's super happy as they can be. And then obviously you've got the rest of the world to appeal to as well um, as a business. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. Um, so how, in that case, I know you're saying that you've got quite, as a tech leader, I speak to a lot of people who have enormous workloads and they're very, very busy. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I just kind of want to understand, you know, how you, how do you stretch yourself kind of across various things, or do you sort of, um, you know, what's your approach to delegation? Um, I know, kind of, especially sort of within like a startup sort of situation. Um, you, I know you said before you kind of have to wear a lot of hats. So how do you kind of approach that, and how do you manage? Um, all the kind of different things that you have to deal with. When do you know sort of when to say that's not for me anymore? Need to pass that on to someone else, or you know, just just sort of walk me through kind of your your stance on that. Okay, this this might sound a bit, I guess, a bit um, a bit out there, um, but I I, I guess um, one of them is is focus, really focus, uh, blocking time in a calendar for different tasks, because I mean. Um, 
whenever you switch from one context to the other one, it is it takes a bit of, of effort. And um, from from maybe an operational part, you're actually thinking about like really day-to-day -day business. And then you actually need to think about, okay, strategy, three months, six months, a year, what do we need as, in terms of people, technology and, and product and whatever. So that, that's something that I, I, I have done before and I, I've, I'm doing it right now. And it's really... And it's a struggle because people sometimes tend to ignore your blocker in the calendar or you by yourself, you need to at some point say, oh, I, need it. I need to do this, um, this meeting. But then you need to also ask yourself, hey, those are the two hours that you really need to focus on the product. You need to focus on the vision. You need to actually look, see what the competitors are doing, speak, you know, uh, maybe with the UX colleagues, what's the user voice and so on. You should not be actually talking about performance review here. You should not. I mean, if it's obviously if it's uh, then a bit of a common sense as well. If it's a it's a conflict situation, then yeah, you need to deal with it and so on. Um, but it was was one approach to actually try to um, try to block times in the day or times in the week to actually focus on on different tasks, because otherwise you don't really get to do anything. Um, and obviously you need to give yourself a buffer to put out fires every day, which is very complicated because sometimes it's the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, sometimes during the during the midday, sometimes the whole day is putting fires out. Um, so so I guess, but for me, definitely this, this putting blockers, trying to, to have focus time on the product, focus time on the team, focus time on the, um, and seeing on the strategy, on the, let's say, overarching vision, that would be that. Um, another thing is that, um, I always, when I, whenever I, I try to, to find new colleagues, I also kind of was very honest about what I'm expecting from them. I mean, uh, we do have quite a cool working environment, working conditions. Um, I still hear this from different um, startups or different um, tech companies, and they have, they need to be in the office still 40% of the time right now because Corona is over. And I understand why, I mean, you know, we can, I understand to be there every every quarter, I understand maybe to be there once a month, but so many people work so, so well from home, from, from restaurants or whatever they are. Mm. So basically we have this freedom. We also have the freedom for everyone, everybody. It doesn't matter where they live and where they, let's say, work from. They can do completely remote work two months every year. There is, there is, there is given, everybody has this. We have almost a, a minimal set of rules, um, like a time difference. For the product and engineering, um, it's actually four hours time difference for the sales and operations is actually lower because they need to work a bit more together and also with the customers. And if you are in the States and there's like six hour difference or even nine, then it becomes a bit complex. But besides this, and obviously everybody needs to make sure that they have an insurance if they go um, abroad and work and so on, um, or a company needs to, to take care of that. But besides that, we're pretty, pretty free. And um, we give, and I try to give everybody in, in my teams uh, lots of freedom. But at the same time, and I'm saying this also when I'm when I'm um, recruiting, when I'm hiring, and I'm also looking for this, I um, managed to find and always ask people who can actually own the process in what they're doing. They can actually, mature enough people. They don't really have to be, I don't know, 50 years or 60 or something, but they need to have a certain maturity to actually say, hey, this is my um, part of work and it's something that I can actually do. And I take responsibility and ownership on that. So that was something that helped me as well. I have two of these kind of people in the team, um, one on the on the development side, the one on the UX side. And I sometimes manage to say, like, hey, this is something that they come up with the idea of working on a feature. And then it's like, it's something that you can actually take care of. It's something that you can run with. And they say, yeah, why not? 
um, and that's great. So finding people you can trust, finding people who actually want to own things and they want to take them from A to Z, and then putting blockers, blocking stuff for really specific team or strategy or product, whatever it is, yeah. Mm. I really like that approach. Um, I think it was a, a couple of episodes ago, um, I had Sergi uh, Banyos on, who um, I think he was, he's not too much older. I think he's only about 26, 27, so he's slightly older than me, and he's gone from this crazy path to, to CTO in like a few years, and he, and he said the main thing, even as a young person, the, the mindset is to, if you make something, you own it. Um, and that's kind of the, you know the maturity behind that and um, and I, I found that really fascinating with you sort of reciprocating that there it is it is interesting to you know to see people having that approach and, it, and it's obviously a super valuable thing to be able to to do that in in, in your industry as well um it's so you, you sort of you led me nicely into my sort of final question there because I know you sort of you started saying like this is what I would do this is what I would do so um, what advice do you have for um, sort of people who would be aspiring um, to, to be in your position? Ooh, um, that's, uh, that's actually a very, very um, complicated or complex question, I would say. Uh, one thing is that, um, I mean, if you want to succeed, like I said, building good product, you should try to find, um, you know, a diverse team. But diverse team, but actually a team which works together and, and, and understands the, the product together. You should not be afraid that everybody, you know, challenges you. So like for me, something that is just given and for some people in the in the in the company, it was a bit of something that they got they had to get used to. But I have no problem anybody and I expect people to have opinions on features, on ideas. Um, we can all, we cannot always take them into account, but that's good. It's, and sometimes some amazing ideas come out of this. Um, and so find a diverse team, um, try to understand the users as well, and then um, try to, in my case, I was always trying to, to work in a flat way and have everybody listen and weigh in. Because this is the way, in my experience, we can actually build amazing products, even with, with smaller teams, yeah. I like that, yeah. Encouraging people to weigh in is something that um, that is really important for every member of the team, isn't it? Um, that I think I think I feel like we probably could have gone on and had a, another couple of episodes worth to talk about with you, Christian. So maybe we can get you on another time. Um, but thanks so much for sharing your insight. It's been really really interesting, um, hearing what you've got to say, and uh, obviously wish you the best of luck over at Journey Man, and I hope everything COVID related settles completely down for you really soon. Let's hope so, yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're watching this episode on YouTube, you can hover over the logo in the corner and hit subscribe. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn and TikTok for all of the updates. Head over to our website, amethystweb.com for tech news, webinars, blogs and keep up to date on the latest Python that's going on and JavaScript rules around the globe. Got it all in a number. Uh, thanks again, Christian. It's been an absolute pleasure.